Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today uh, by, what a treat. Are you all ready? It's me, Allison Kilkenny, flying solo into your little unsuspecting ears. But wait, I'm waiting for consent. Can I come inside? Knock, knock, knock. Thank you. Invite the right one in, right? Well, hopefully this is the right podcast. Hello, if you're new to Light Trees and News, here's how the show works. It's divided into thirds. I'm going to talk about pop culture and then bad news. Uh-oh, but don't worry, I'll end things on a good or lighter note. That's the good news section. In the pop culture section, I talk about all types of crap, usually with a co-host, today by myself, because we just could not get the scheduling together, as per usual. That's not true. That sounds like I'm blaming other people, which I actually was. It was entirely my fault. I started texting people at 10 o'clock at night, last night, uh, and those text messages read, ha, 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 because I knew how absurd it was that I was writing people so late. Uh, do you want to record tomorrow? And of course, surprise, surprise, on a Saturday morning, most people already had plans. <laughs> the nerve, right? Um, how dare they? So uh, I will be flying solo for this episode. This will occasionally happen because scheduling has gotten trickier and trickier for me because uh, your girl's doing a lot, which is a good thing, but it makes scheduling harder, unfortunately. So while we're in the pop culture section... I'm going to do a mix today. I'm going to talk about some pop culture. Also, I'm going to get to finally a Patreon question. If you are a $5 a month supporter of mine over at Patreon or higher, $10 a month, $50 a month, dare I even dream of it, $100 a month, you get to send questions that we'll answer on Light Trees and News. And we have one actually... No, I'm going to save it because it sort of leads into uh, some other pop culture stuff I've been talking about the past few weeks. I want to start with, mm, I'm not going to get into spoilers, don't worry everyone, um, for one of these. Endgame, I'm still processing it, Avengers Endgame. I'm not going to get into spoilers, like I said, don't worry, but you know, let's do the question now because it relates to movies. So... Madeline wrote in and said, you all seem to go, uh, you all seem to go to a lot of movies. We do, Madeline. We really do. I was wondering, do you ever go alone? If so, do you have any advice for going to the movies alone? Great question. And I know a lot of people feel this way. I know a lot of people have real anxiety about going places by themselves or like movies, dinner, dinner is like a big thing. For some reason, eating is a very, well, not for some reason, biological reasons, I'm sure, evolutionary reasons. Uh, we are pack animals and eating alone feels very weird and vulnerable, probably stemming from our days, uh, from our days as cave people, right? Eating alone was probably a very dumb, uh, vulnerable thing to do because, you're not paying attention, you're distracted, and oh my god, a saber-toothed tiger can attack you. So that's how we feel in restaurants today. It's like, uh, I feel very exposed right now. Uh, larger predators can get me, or judge me, and then tweet about me. I think that's really the phobia people have. They're afraid people will see them, perceive them as like friendless losers, <laughs> and then tweet about them, and then we'll be embarrassed. So... To go back to your first part of your question, Madeline, you all seem to go to a lot of movies. Yes, that's true. We, uh, a lot of my co-hosts, myself, we are entertainers, we're writers, uh, actors, so we consume a lot of media because that's our jam. We should stay informed about it and what's happening in the culture at the moment. So this was definitely more so the case when MoviePass was at its height. I had friends. I never personally got a MoviePass, but I had friends who got MoviePass, and MoviePass was so cheap, and you could go see so many movies back in the day that some of my friends would just use the movie theater like a hotel, where they would go in, not even necessarily see a movie, they would sleep in the movie theater. So a lot of UCB kids, like, you know, between classes or between shows, would be very, very tired and be like, I'm going to go sleep for a few hours in the movie theater, not even watch a movie. But anyway, so yeah, we see a lot of movies. I go to the movies 
alone a lot because I have found that unless it's like a big cultural event, like say Avengers Endgame, which is very fun to see with a group, especially like a, a well-informed nerdy group of people, which is how I saw the pre- uh, the premiere of it. Um, unless it's that exact scenario, which even that had its downfalls because, oh my God, trying to get a group of people to show up anywhere at the same time is a nightmare. And I didn't have the tickets. So there were about seven of us waiting for the guy who had all of our tickets and we could not get him to text back. And I was like, oh my God, is this whole thing going to fall through? Am I going to miss this movie? Because I stupidly entrusted my ticket with someone who is not very reliable. But then it turned out he is reliable and he showed up and everything was fine. But you know, you girls got anxiety. I'm a type A type of person. I like to control the situation. And if I can't control the situation, I tend to, um, how you say, freak the fuck out. So, but we had an amazing time. So fun. So fun to see Avengers Endgame in a packed theater of hardcore fans who are so nerdy, who have seen the previous 20 other films, <laughs> and, you know, who saw Iron Man, the first Iron Man in the theater, who know their MCU shit, get every single Easter egg, give every single reference. It was such a joy. However, apart from that, I tend to prefer to see movies by myself. I I get really weird after a movie. I get very uh, introverted. I get very in my head. I like to just sit quietly and unpack what I just saw in my own mind. And I listen to music and I, yeah, I find that I need a little bit before I can talk to other people about my thoughts and my feelings, but then I love to do that. Obviously, I've devoted a third of this show to doing that, so I really, really love talking about movies, TV shows, stuff like that, but I do need, like, a second before I can communicate what I'm thinking, so I have found that, especially as I get older, I really like going places by myself, really like going to the movies by myself, really like uh eating by myself like going to restaurants by myself I don't know I just it it makes me feel more self-assured and confident too because I do feel like a lot of people experience anxiety going to restaurants by themselves and having to be like "Mm, table for one like it I don't know why but people feel like they're so afraid to be on their own because they'll be perceived as being friendless being a loser I guess and it I think it's the opposite when I see somebody eating by themselves I'm like damn what a badass (laughs) you know they don't need to constantly cling to a partner or a companion to go into public (laughs) you know maybe that's an unfair reading of seeing people eating with friends and stuff and listen I love a social brunch I love going out with my friends and getting meals and stuff like that so fun but it's sort of like a cleanse to go out by yourself and to to refamiliarize yourself um, about you, you know, like your own thoughts, your own feelings. And I could probably be better about it, to be honest with you, because even if I do go out on my own, I'm on my phone, which is probably a safety blanket, you know, checking Twitter, my online friends. Look, everyone, I have online friends. Uh, so I'm probably insecure about it as well in some respects. But I don't know. I would really, really recommend go to a movie by yourself, go eat by yourself, bring a book or something, and just treat yourself to silence and your own thoughts and anything that you experience in the world by yourself. Because I think ultimately it makes you a much stronger person. How do you guys feel about that? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Hashtag light trees and pod. Let's be online friends so we're not alone, right? Because that's really the fear. Okay, so this next part of the show will have spoilers. So if you are not fully caught up on Game of Thrones, don't panic. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to give you (laughs) substantial amount of time to skip ahead to the next music cue. Uh, Penny is jumping around and being so loud that it is very distracting. Sorry, everyone. So if you don't want to hear Game of Thrones spoilers, skip ahead to the music cue for the bad news section because this is going to be the rest of the pop culture section. You're not going to miss anything un-Game of Thrones related. Non-Game of Thrones related? I don't know. So 
Avengers Endgame was so amazing. Again, no spoilers, but it was so amazing and so exceeded my expectations. I have to say it kind of ruined Game of Thrones for me because it immediately preceded the big battle in Game of Thrones, the battle at Winterfell, right? Which is the huge uh, confrontation between the Night King and his army of White Walkers and everybody who's uh, bunkered down at Winterfell. So that's the Starks, obviously, Jamie Lannister's there, Bran of Tarth, all our faves, right? So Tyrion, of course, Tyrion's there. Mother of Dragons, uh, you know, all the all the big hits. So they have been hyping this battle for mm, six seasons, right? And we've been told by everyone, top to bottom, producers to the guys who were there shooting 11 consecutive weeks of night shoots. Can you even fucking imagine how hard that must have been? So we've been hearing from everyone that this is going to be the battle to end all battles. It's going to be this huge, epic thing. Um, they've they've been studying, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings, those battle sequences to uh, familiarize themselves with what works, what doesn't work. So there's been <laughs> so much hype. So I have to say the episode's good. I would not say great. It's good. I did not have the complaint that a lot of people had, which is that it was too dark. I'm sort of like, it's at night. Get over it. I don't know. I was watching on my laptop and didn't have that much trouble seeing. So mm, don't know. The cinematographer got very defensive and he's like, I know it's not dark because I shot it, which is sort of circular logic. <laughs> but, um, you know, he got very in his feelings about it, which I understand. You know, I'm sure tremendous amount of effort and people criticize it. That's not fun. thought there were very cool moments. Uh, the the Red Witch lighting the Dothraki uh, swords, very cool. Lighting the trenches, very cool. How did anyone survive that battle? That's my question. Uh, Jamie and Bran of Tarth were swarmed, completely swarmed by White Walkers for an hour and survived it somehow. So I was like, okay. But this is also a show that has dragons. So I'm like, whatever. They miraculously survived. Okay, I guess. The main thing I wanted to talk about is Arya, because to me, that was one of the best moments of the episode, probably of the series. How fucking cool, right? Arya kills the Night King. Holy fucking shit. I thought the way they shot that was incredible. When she flew out of the shadows, I screamed. Arya, our queen, right? Amazing moment, I think. So immediately, the Gamergate uh, boys took to the internet screaming and crying about how Arya is a Mary Sue, that she would have not had the capabilities to do this, that uh, in case you don't know, a Mary Sue is a, is a character who has like these magical abilities to do things without any previous training. And it's, it's basically like wish fulfillment for the audience and the author. And um, if, if you're hearing that description and you're like, but that's every male protagonist, Exactly. Uh, but this is a criticism only aimed at female protagonists because sexism. So, I mean, think about like Luke Skywalker, you know, like you could apply the Mary Sue uh, label to so many male protagonists, but we just don't do that. We accept it when a male protagonist has these magical capabilities, but not when a female protagonist has them. Here's the thing that drives me nuts, though. Arya, arguably, is the only character for whom that moment makes sense because we have seen her for so many seasons training to do that exact thing, to kill. I mean, how many training montages did we have with Arya? How many uh, moments did we have watching Mar Arya kill someone? Arya is a trained assassin. Meanwhile, John is flying around on a dragon having only previously flown on one once before and suddenly he's doing twirls he's doing loop-de-loops and he's not falling off suddenly and again yeah 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 yeah. he's a targaryen he's half targaryen okay but we accept the fact that he suddenly has all of these magical capabilities but not we don't accept when Arya fucking flies out of the darkness does her cool little knife trick and stabs the night king exactly where she needs to stab him which somebody pointed out this is cool uh, Bran, apparently, when they're having their stare down, he, him and the Night King, that goes on for a fucking eternity, right? He glances down and he looks at the spot where the knife needs to go. 
And then the Night King gives him this cool look like, does this fucking kid know where to stab me? There's a lot going on, actually, in their stare down with each other. It's very cool. Um, yeah, what the fuck was Bran doing that episode? I have to go now. And then he enters a raven. And then he just flies around. They better explain themselves in the next episode. Because I was like, what the fuck is going on? Everybody thought Bran was the Night King. And so far, that has obviously not proven to be true. But I'm like, I need a better explanation for what is going on with this kid. Uh, I'm sorry, the Three-Eye Raven. We can't call him Bran anymore. Uh, Because uh, what are you doing? What are you doing, kiddo? And I know, like, whatever. They can always explain away all of his behavior by saying, but he knew everything needed to happen in that exact sequence. Like, he needed to send Theon to go die and blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. I just, I need him to really pull a VIP move, or I'm sorry, an MVP move in the next couple episodes or that character is a wash for me come on so anyway that's my my rant about Arya Arya's not a Mary Sue Arya her arc her entire arc makes really perfect sense stick them with the pointy end it's the first moment we have with her she says she doesn't want to be a princess she doesn't want to marry a future king that's not her this girl who is constantly confused as a boy right everybody always calls her a boy has been training as a deadly assassin since the first season. So if anyone's if anyone's finale makes sense, it's Arya's. And it's so infuriating, but also like totally expected, right? Sexists are going to be sexist, right? That they wanted that moment to go to John. John is not qualified <laughs> to kill the Night King. Um He's he's not. We needed the person who was training to uh, to be no one, right? We we even had that that uh, teaser early on. No one can king kill the Night King. A girl is no one. Uh, no one killed the Night King. Anyway, if you've seen it, hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Let's talk about it. I'm still enjoying it. Listen, that first episode was rough of this latest season. There there is a lot of fan service going on. Um. But I I think here's here's the issue. So Game of Thrones is known as killing beloved characters in very unexpected ways, right? That's that's sort of why we're weirdly addicted to it. We love when they hurt us, <laughs> I guess, uh, to put it in a very dark way. Um, but at this point in the series finale, you also have to give some things to the fans. Or ultimately, it feels very unfulfilling and and hollow. So I don't envy the writers and the creators who, by the way, have had to play catch up with George Martin because he has been ever so slow finishing the books. I don't envy them because they have to give us that like cold, brutal Game of Thrones realness while also tying up loose ends and giving us some stuff that we've wanted this whole time. So we like feel good at the end of watching this show. I still think they're going to emotionally destroy us at certain points. So anybody who's like, there's too much fan service in this. I mean, like, wait, the series is not over yet. That will still happen, I'm sure. But also, we want to see certain things. You know, we wanted to see the Starks reunited. We wanted to see, I wanted to see many people other than gamer, uh, Gamergate fanboys uh, wanted to see Arya have her big kills. You know, she, she had to shut blue eyes. She had to shut brown eyes. She's still got to shut green eyes. Cersei, uh-oh, look out. Although I still hope uh, Jamie kills Cersei. And I hope Jamie kills Cersei uh, avenging Brienne of Tarth's death, which I think is all but written in stone at this point, everyone. Sorry, I don't think Brienne makes it out of this. But anyway, what what are your, um, if you don't want to send predictions because they might be spoilery, how are you feeling right now? Hashtag light trees and pod. Do you still like the show? What are your feelings? How'd you feel about Arya? Hmm? How about that? Or if you want to send me any memes or gifts that are funny, I love those as well. Let's do it up. Guys, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news.
All right, so there's going to be a little bit of crossover in this bad news section because I have some pop culturally, culturally type stuff that also sort of crosses over into bad news because, man, this shit is bleak. So I don't know if you all saw this, but Burger King has a new line of what they're calling real meals. And these meals are obviously a riff on McDonald's Happy Meals, but they're supposedly created to, quote unquote, raise awareness about mental health. So your new ordering options now include the blue meal, the salty meal, the DGAF don't give a fuck meal, the salty meal. Oh, they put that twice. And unbelievably, the pissed meal. So like you can order according to your bad mood. So a couple things here. Burger King, apparently not knowing how creepily dystopian this is, is effectively making two statements. One, no one can afford therapy (laughs) because a lot of insurance plans don't cover a therapist. Although I have to say there are a lot of therapists who work on a sliding scale. So if you don't make a lot of money, if you don't have insurance, don't let that necessarily discourage you from seeking therapy because there are a lot of options out there. However, therapy still remains out of reach for millions of Americans and that's really fucked up um, and and dangerous. Uh, People should have access to mental health services. So Burger King is basically conceding like, look, you can't afford therapy. So why don't you eat our shitty, sad meals? Maybe that'll make you feel better? I don't know. Um, and also that people who are sad, because everybody's sad right now, right? Everybody's depressed uh, for a variety of reasons, whether it's you know financial instability, debt, uh, just the state of the world, seeing how our government is is controlled by fascists and seeing the effects of climate change and feeling like our government's never going to get its act together to do anything about it. Like, there's a million reasons why people feel disconnected and sad right now that they will, in their darkest hour, shuffle single file into Burger King to be like, I guess I'll eat this shit. I don't know. So it's Burger King being like, shit is really bad right now. And also we know we're the bottom of the barrel. So I guess come to us. (laughs) It's just completely dystopian. And I don't know if they fully, I, I, I imagine they don't care. They haven't fully grappled with the, the reality of that. They're probably just like, Hey, everybody's really jaded and, and sad right now. So how do we capitalize on that? How do we make as much money as possible? But in doing so, it is a devastating indictment of capitalism itself and at this point I feel like the snake is really eating its own tail where I'm like I mean we're just in a full spiral right now right if if major brands are just kind of like fuck it you know like let's get the last nickel we can before this whole ship goes down sorry to mix metaphors but also uh in I guess like vaguely dystopian news. It's more just a recommended read though with a a trigger warning attached to it. So over at The Cut, there is this wild article about the stolen kids of Sarah Lawrence. And it's about this group of college students who basically fell under the sway of one of their classmates' father who is this weirdly captivating sort of charming guy who kind of fills in as like a father figure but also like a spiritual leader to these kids and they they form a cult there's really no other way to put it they form a cult while at Sarah Lawrence while they're living in this house and it is just a roller coaster of a ride shout out to Ezra Marcus and James D Walsh who are the the co-authors of the piece it is really disturbing. Also, uh, just generally as a warning to people who maybe are living away from home for the first time and feeling very vulnerable and lost. Just like there's a lot of helpful like red flag tips in this article about how they went from 
you know, uh, taking dating advice from this guy to suddenly, um, you know, committing really bizarre sexual ritualistic acts in front of each other. It's, but again, trigger warning for sexual abuse and uh, rape and all of those things that do ultimately happen. But um, it's really a well-written article. It's, it's fascinating. It's disturbing. And I read it really, really quickly because it's just one of those great pieces of journalism that read like a, any compelling novel. Like I could not stop reading it. So I highly recommend it. So those are my pop culturally, culturally, man, it would be great if I could say that, but I can't. Um, oh, oh, one more, one more. Sorry, guys. There's just a lot of good articles out right now. Over at Harper's Bazaar, <clears throat> there's an article, Men Have No Friends and Women Bear the Burden. That is, again, talking about articles that give you a handy, like, guide on red flags. <laughs> this is one of them. Uh, the the sub-headline is, Toxic Masculinity and the Persistent Idea that Feelings are a Female Thing has left a generation of straight men stranded on emotionally stunted island, unable to forge intimate relationships with other men. It's women who are paying the price. I would tweak that a little bit to include uh, men are paying the price, too, just because, you know, obviously same-sex relationships you know, uh, obviously women historically shoulder the the majority of emotional burden. But if you're in a same-sex relationship and you're a man and your partner's a man and he, that your partner has no friends and never learned to share his feelings, you also are going to burden, uh, uh, shoulder that burden. So it's not necessarily just women. But I don't want to hashtag uh, <laughs> not just women this article the article's great. It it really delves into how it is a huge red flag if your uh, male partner does not have friends. That is a huge red flag. It does mean that you're going to have to, uh, not that you have to, but you will probably end up shouldering the emotional burden in this relationship. And also, it's just a reminder that, guys, your your partner is not your therapist. And guess what? Your friends are not your therapist either. This article isn't like, hey, don't dump all your feelings on your partner. Go find your poor fucking friends and dump all your feelings on them. That's not to say you can't share your feelings with your friends. But I, I think a good general rule for knowing the difference between just sharing your feelings with your friends, like, oh, I, you know, I had a bad day today. And then telling your friends why you had a bad day, that's a normal friendship. I think where it crosses the line is if you keep repeating certain things that are bothering you or maybe repeating something that traumatized you and you, it seems like you can't really get past it or resolve it and your friends are sort of like, yeah, you know, you, you bring that up a lot. That's when I think it's time to, oh, this is a therapist thing. I need to talk about some deep stuff with someone who is not only paid to hear this stuff, but is qualified to give me advice on it. And finding a good therapist is tricky too. You might go to that first therapist and feel like, I don't think this is working. That doesn't mean that therapy isn't for you. That means that therapist isn't for you. Shop around. Find a good therapist. And uh, yeah, that's when I think it crosses over from this is a friend's thing to this is a therapist thing. Like it's, it's deeper. It's deeper than I had a bad day. It's, you know, it's a, a thing that it's preventing me from moving past this thing. And my friends don't have the time or, frankly, the training to help me with this. So I need to find somebody. I need to get a little more serious with it, you know. And I, I'm not saying this to, like, lecture anyone. Like, believe me, I'm I'm in that situation where I'm, I'm the person who's like, I just don't have time. And, it, like, I hear myself say it and I'm like, girl, come on. We'll get there. We'll get there together. So if you've read any of these articles, if you read it after listening to this and have thoughts, hashtag LightTreesAndPod. Here is some of the real bad news. Ooh, we got to talk about Trump's comments about doctors executing newborns. So Trump um, on Saturday night... Uh, revived what has often been a refrain by the anti-choice movement as doctors, quote-unquote, executing babies 
this was during a more than hour-long speech at a rally in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And let's remember that the radical right called Dr. George Tiller, uh, Tiller the baby killer. So, and then of course he was assassinated. So this is a common refrain from the right uh, that has caused radicals in the past to murder doctors. So we know where this leads. This isn't even like a question mark in history. Like, what will it ultimately mean for all of us? We know what it would. We know what it means. They'll kill doctors. So this is what Trump said. The baby is born. The mother meets with the doctor. They take care of the baby. They wrap the baby beautifully. And then the doctor and the mother determine whether or not they will execute the baby. That is just a full-blown fucking lie. That's a lie. That's obviously, you're listening to this podcast, you know that's a lie. Oh, I, I mean, unless you, you don't know and you happen to be one of those random people who find the podcast, send me a very angry email. Uh, in case this is new information to you, that is not how abortion works. That is a fantasy in the minds of right-wing extremists who want to kill abortion doctors. And arguably anybody around the abortion doctor, anybody working at the clinic, uh, including the the woman seeking the abortion, um, they have a funny definition of pro-life. So obviously this is hugely dangerous. We already know Trump has, and his rhetoric has radicalized uh, many of his supporters, uh, some of whom have been arrested for planning things, for for mailing things to Democratic leaders. Um bombs, uh, other suspicious substances. So we know, again, what his words inspire in his followers, attacking synagogues, shooting synagogues. We'll get to that in a second. So obviously this is very, very dangerous behavior and words from Trump, but we've also come to expect that from him. So speaking of attacks at synagogues, a Jewish community in Poway, Poway, I apologize, in California, is grieving after a gunman opened fire at a local synagogue on Saturday. Same day, everyone. <laughs> if only we could draw a connection between the two. I don't know. Uh, he killed one person. Supposedly, the woman he killed, uh, according to reports, was trying to protect the rabbi and wounded three others, including children. So there was a lot of coverage immediately after it happened that <laughs> early reports that a border patrol agent um, shot the attacker. So immediately people on Twitter were like, good guy with a gun, good guy with a gun. Okay, so it turns out that was not the case. He didn't shoot the attacker. What he did was he shot four bullets into the car um, as two men took down the license plate number. So this guy, Jonathan Morales, is being praised by some people as being a hero. I'm just glad he didn't shoot a bystander because he didn't stop the shooting from happening. He didn't even shoot the attacker. He shot up his car a little bit. Uh, and the other uh, bystanders were able to do the truly helpful thing, which is write down the license plate number to give it to the police officers. Um. So there was also an army veteran named Oscar Stewart uh, who uh, came face to face with a gunman in the lobby and shouted, get down. Um, and also, I'm going to kill you, which is kind of a boss thing to yell at a person with a gun. And reportedly, that really shook up the shooter because he was probably like, who the fuck is this crazy guy? Um and that's when he ran and he got in his car. But anyway, so surprise, surprise, it turns out the shooter who I don't even have his name. Who the fuck cares what this guy's name is? I, I think I'm going to start to adopt a policy of not saying the shooter's name in episode recaps and stuff like that because truly fuck them. Uh, but he had posted a bunch of anti-Semitic screeds on social media who could have predicted? Who could have predicted at a time when we have a fascist leader 
um, villainizing minorities and uh, spouting all types of otherizing rhetoric that anti-Semitic attacks would be on the rise in this country. Who could have predicted that courting Nazi votes results in Nazis feeling emboldened to do this shit? So that was a lot of sarcasm, in case you didn't pick up on it. It can be tricky sometimes. So speaking of shootings in America, which at this point I feel like our flag should just be a bullet flying through a kid. There was another shooting at the University of North Carolina. Um, Two victims were killed, uh, and there's been a bunch of articles published about them. There was Riley Howell, who was 21. His family described as a big, muscular guy with a huge heart. Uh, He is being hailed as a hero after police confirmed that he took the assailant off his feet allowing officers to make the arrest. Um, And you've probably seen his photos all over the place. Um, And then the other victim was Ellis Reed Parlier, Parlier, who is a 2017 graduate of the Magnan High School Central Academy of Technology and Arts in Monroe, North Carolina. Um... And he was described as a really quiet guy. But whenever he did say something, it was always something super funny and super random. Everyone was like, where did this guy come from? That's a fun quote. Um, So he had won awards for his IT skills and loved studying computer engineering. So very, very sad and also super frustrating because whenever there's a school shooting, there's some idiot who comes out and and says well what we really need to do is train kids to rush the gunmen and take them down okay sure so that's what Howell did and he's fucking dead and I refuse to believe that the majority of Americans want to live in a country where we accept that as like an acceptable sacrifice for our fucking dumb gun culture. I bet you most Americans, most people, if they have someone like Riley Howell in their life, would say, yeah, I find it acceptable that they'll have to fucking sacrifice themselves because we are so stubborn that we refuse to change the way things are right now. I don't think that's acceptable. I don't think it's necessary. I don't want people like Riley Howell to have to sacrifice themselves because we refuse to change. And I, I'm sure you all agree with that as well. But I, I've just, it makes me so sad when I hear about some kid who threw himself in front of a door, got shot 18 times because he was protecting his classmates. And the media always holds them up as heroes because they are heroic, obviously. But also, that sacrifice was not necessary, <laughs> you know? This gun shootings in America are not a force of nature. They're not inevitable. They're a consequence of policy decisions and and corrupt politicians and and corrupt lobbying efforts. That's why we're at the point we're at right now. And these kids shouldn't have to be heroic in this way. It's amazing that they are. It's amazing that they're that selfless and they're willing to sacrifice themselves. But imagine what Riley Howell could have done in his life with that same spirit, you know? Probably could have affected a lot of change and and done good things for our society, but he had to be the guy who tackled a gunman and died. That sucks. That's our fault. <laughs> you know, like uh, that. That's just terrible. I feel really, really bad about it. Um, so, by the way, if you're a new listener to the show, good news is coming. <laughs> so, I also wanted to talk about Attorney General William Barr no-showing at the House Judiciary Committee uh, committee, uh, meeting Thursday morning after the Justice Department said he would decline to testify. So not a surprise that he no-showed, but still just another one of these moments in the Trump administration where people were like, the fuck? Can they do that? Listen, at this point, we are truly in uncharted waters. Anybody claiming they know if they can do that or can't do that is full of shit. We, we just don't know at this point. It's, it's really been wild to watch. But also, in an update on the whole bar thing, Robert Mueller is steamed, you guys. So he wrote a letter in late March 
objecting to uh, Barr's four-page summary of the conclusions of the investigation into possible ties between Russia and the Trump campaign. So Mueller's whole beef with Barr is that, quote-unquote, um, his memo to Congress did not fully capture the context, nature, and substance of the investigation. Because what Mueller was actually doing with the report was painting a picture of corruption and collusion. And Mueller's whole thing was never that there was no collusion or there was no crimes that were committed. His whole thing was, listen, there was a bunch of shady stuff that was happening at this time. Um, And I'm going to pass along this whole thing to other committees other uh, bodies to further explore uh, criminal charges. That was his whole thing. So, I don't know, guys. I don't have much to say about this beyond every day is just a new carnival of nightmares. And, uh, yeah, I think we're really in extraordinary legal territory here, meaning lawlessness and and I don't know what's gonna happen because of it I saw today people are speculating that Trump could be indicted after the presidency who the fuck knows I don't think I think he'll get away with everything because I just have no faith in the government or the justice system at this point and I think rich privileged people can do whatever the fuck they want and there's no consequences and I it's sort of sad seeing people who are still at the mercy of the justice system being like, no, they'll get him eventually. And I'm like, what are you basing that on? Are you basing that on the nothing that has happened so far? Are you basing that on our completely inept Congress who has been able and or willing to do nothing up until this point? I mean, truly, what are you basing that on? But also I'm a pessimist. So, you know, um, Do I have enough time to talk about this? Yes. So on Wednesday, the Court of Arboration of Sport ruled that female athletes with naturally elevated levels of testosterone could not compete as women unless they made efforts to reduce the hormone in their bodies. Okay. So there's a lot of problems with this, obviously. This is a misunderstanding of biology on the one hand and also an effort by transphobic people to keep on transphobing all over the place so the ruling came in a case brought by the middle distance runner caster uh, semenya against the international association of athletics federations that challenged long-standing myths about the presumed masculinity of testosterone and its role in the body so let's talk about this a little bit um Women, it's very common that women can have elevated uh, testosterone in their bodies and vice versa. Men can have elevated levels of estrogen. It does not make you a quote unquote man if you are a woman who has elevated testosterone because that's not how biology works. Um, But this is also tied in with transphobia, right? There is a lot of fear and misunderstanding surrounding transgender athletes. That a transgender woman is perceived by many uneducated or just like hateful people as being a quote-unquote man who is competing in women's sports. And that's unfair because they think this is like Tootsie and a man has snuck in and put on a wig and is quote unquote pretending to be a woman in female sports. Obviously stupid, (laughs) like not the case at all, but this is the heart of, of a case like this. It's simultaneously a misunderstanding of biology and, and, um, hormone levels in the body and a ripple effect from the transphobic, um, hateful people who are the ones on Twitter like screaming about transgender athletes um, sneaking into uh, sports. So, but it's it sets a really dangerous precedent because now it's like, so what is going to happen? Obviously, it's, it's horrible enough that transgender athletes are going to be discriminated against. But now are they going to do hormone level checks? I mean, they do that already, right, in, in professional sports. But so if you are a... 
a cis woman and you happen to have elevated testosterone in your body, you cannot compete. And that is discriminatory on a whole other level. Again, bad enough that you're doing this to uh, the transgender athlete community. But now we, we have such a narrow, reduced definition of who can compete in female athletics now that it is frankly frightening and disturbing. So if you've had any thoughts about any of the stories I covered in the bad news section, again, hashtag light treason pod. Y'all are so smart. You always know some angle of this story that I haven't covered or some update to the story. So always send those along. I love hearing from you. Um, any questions or corrections, anything like that, always welcome. Let's keep the dialogue open, baby. And on that note, it's enough of the bad, right? Here's your good news. Wait, I just realized how cute it is that I gave the advice about going to see movies and eating alone when I was hosting the podcast on my own, and I'm thriving. As you would all agree, I'm sure. So here's a prime example that you can do stuff on your own when you're really bad at scheduling, right? Yeah. Correcting our mistakes with natural talent. All right. So first in good news, I'm amazing. Second in good news, um, white supremacists are just having food whipped at them all over the place. And it's honestly inspiring. So on Wednesday, Giovanni Valley, I, I don't care if I mispronounce your name, you're a white nationalist. They were speaking at the anniversary of the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, and he decided to bring a Nazi flag. Well, guess what? You can't bring a Nazi flag to New York City's Union Square, sir. That's going to be an issue. And sad news, everyone. <sighs> Giovanni got egged Ugh, and it was all he was doing was spewing vile homophobia including saying that homosexuality was due to a chemical imbalance and some New Yorker whipped a bunch of eggs at him and uh he was not happy and guess what that wasn't the only case of this happening so a British far-right activist named Tommy Robinson founder of the rapidly Islamophobic British Defense League, and now, dun dun dun, dun candidate for the European Parliament, uh-oh, got a milkshake thrown in his face as he was campaigning. Uh, and I'll link to both of these. Jezebel has a video of both instances. If you just need a little <clears throat> pick-me-up today, I always like seeing white supremacists get, getting shit thrown at them. But what's sort of disheartening about all of this is let's recount all the things the extreme right are doing right mass shootings um mailing bombs all, all types of terrorist acts and this is what the extreme left is doing listen i'm not saying that we should ever embrace the violent tactics of the right obviously violence is bad innocents get hurt um ultimately i think it always 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 harms the cause however uh, the way the media covers this is both sides do it. And it's like, are you fucking serious? On one side, we have people throwing milkshakes and eggs. And on the other side, we have people shooting up synagogues. It is not the same fucking thing. And don't, don't cover it that way. Because then you play into the hands of the extreme right. So, Allison, just let the good news be good news and don't be a downer. Sorry, did I say that out loud? Okay. So uh, the New York Times has this big article about how wages are finally rising 10 years after the recession. And the article's kind of adorable because they have a little chart and they're like, look, wages went up. Uh, why did wages go up? In what industries did wages go up? And hold on, I'm going to do a little search right now for the words fight for 15. Oh, I don't see them. That's weird. Nowhere in this article does it say fight for 15, the, the collective movement um, waged by ununionized workers to 
uh, raised wage. I'm scrolling right now, guys. I'm looking for it. Um, and it's not in here. That's weird because that's why wages have gone up. <laughs> like, it's not the benevolent decision of CEOs to be like, should we finally start sharing our, our mass wealth? No, it's been organizers. Um, it's been workers very bravely walking off their jobs where they could easily be fired and collective action to raise wages. So I'm putting this in the good news section because it's like, yay, wages are going up. But also, thank you, Fight for 15. Thank you, striking workers everywhere. Thank you, mass transit workers going on strike, even though that's always, always tremendously unpopular with white-collar workers who show no solidarity for blue-collar workers. Thank you for your bravery, for your hard work, for your sacrifice. Thanks for raising wages. <laughs> so, oh man, also in good news, guys, I don't know if you've been following the saga of Birdie the Cat. Uh, this one got me. So there is a wonderful organization called the Lifeline Animal Project, who you should follow on Facebook, especially if you live in the Alabama area. I think it's in Alabama. Oh boy, should I not have said that? I, it's somewhere in the South. Oh boy, to be an elitist New Yorker, somewhere in the South. So um, they posted, I guess they hold events where, <laughs> I'm going to start crying. <laughs> they have like an open house basically where people can come over and meet the animals. And there's an older cat named Birdie and she's an old lady and they dressed her up. They put pearls on her. They put a pink boa on her and she she just looks so beautiful and she got to sit at the window and watch all the people come and, and meet all the animals. <sighs> and no one adopted her. <laughs> and people were so sad about this and posting about it online because they had her photos. <sighs> and they, there's a photo of her looking out the window. And <laughs> so this like blew up on Twitter to the point where um, Chrissy Teigen tweeted, looks like I have a cat. Someone please connect me with Birdie. But what happened was, it was amazing that Chrissy Teigen was willing to adopt. But what happened before Chrissy could do that is a family adopted Birdie. Um, and they have a photo of her with her new family. She has two little sisters. They have this lovely couple has two daughters. And she's in her little box, ready to go home. And it was honestly like, over the course of two days, such an emotional roller coaster. I went from like, crying over these <laughs> photos of a senior cat who nobody wanted to now she has a new family and I'm so psyched and Lifeline Animal Project is doing social media right. So shout out to their social media team. They're geniuses. I wish every uh, animal adoption place was this savvy because man, they knew how to tar tug at the heartstrings. Um, they have like first person narrations of like, I'm dressed up for my big day. And I was like, I'm going to die of sadness if this cat does not get adopted. And now I'm not going to die because this great family stepped up. So shout out to them. Uh, also in good news, we've been following this story for a while. Man, the NRA is fucked. And that's not me putting words into their mouth. This is a direct quote from one of its own members, quote unquote, they're fucked. Damn. And this is coming amidst the ouster, uh, ouster of Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North and a New York Attorney General investigation. NRA members say the organization has lost its focus on its original mission, which I believe was uh, facilitating the murder of young people, if I remember their original mission statement. So yeah, things are not good. The um, It turns out that Ollie North um, spent a bunch of money and didn't bring home receipts. On the tab of the NRA, there's been a lot of uh, misappropriation of funds. Uh, LaPierre as well, a lot of overspending. Um, and that's what happens when you get handed the company credit card and you can do whatever the fuck you want. So also, of course, the, uh, the NRA figureheads, all of them, um, their lavish salaries that they were paying themselves, 
Uh, basically, they bankrupted the organization. And good. Hopefully, listen, I'm not going to say there's no responsible gun owners out there, okay? I know they exist. But <clears throat> more and more, they have a problem with this organization as well. So if we can bring down the NRA, <laughs> or if the NRA, look, at this point, it's like when the NRA just falls apart on its own, because it's happening right now, that will be a huge moment for the massacre prevention community to step forward and approach politicians and being like, well, since you're no longer receiving fat-ass paychecks from the NRA anymore, maybe suddenly, magically, do you care now about um, children and young people being slain by uh, gunmen? Maybe now you care, now that your pockets are not being lined by the NRA? I know that's a really cynical way to approach politics, but let's be real. It, it's probably how we have to think at this point. Uh, we need to wait until there's a vacuum moment where the NRA is no longer this powerful lobbying group. And I think we're seeing it happen right now, obviously, right? There's been so much criticism of them. They're in such financial uh, despair at this point that it feels like a golden moment to step in and be like, well, since the largest gun lobbying group in the world is no longer an unstoppable force, maybe now we can work to come up with sensible gun regulations. And, like, effective ones. Because I think sometimes well-meaning liberals pose gun control policies that don't make sense. Just on a practical level. Like, even if it seems good, there's a bunch of loopholes and ways to get around it. So maybe we should also work with people who know stuff about guns, who know stuff about uh, how people acquire guns and, you know, uh, learn about our shit before we propose policy changes. Right? I think that's logical and fair. So if you have any good news stories that I missed because I acknowledge that I can't see everything, guys. Uh, this is just my list. This is never my list of here are the most important stories in the world right now. Certainly that's not the case. I can't get to all the important stories in the world right now. I'm just one woman by myself doing a podcast. Uh, but I do the best I can. But if I ever miss anything glaring and you're like, Allison, what's happening? Hashtag light trees and pod. That's truly where I'm going to see it. Um, we are also on Instagram and Facebook. But I see Twitter the most. So if you're not on Twitter, you can also email the show. Uh, light oh, my God. I can never remember our email um, because I so rarely check it. This is why I say just contact me um, on social media if you can. But if not, we are at lighttreesandnews at gmail.com. And, yeah, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. More and more of you have been following us on Instagram, which is dope because, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a youth anymore, if you will. And it seems like the young ones are more on Instagram. And I get it because Instagram's a much calmer place. Like, I'm a fan of Instagram. It's just people liking your photos and leaving supportive comments. It's the opposite of Twitter. So I get it. You can follow us over at Light Treason. I love seeing your comments over there. And yeah, if you sign up at my Patreon at the $5 a month level, you get to send questions that will answer on Light Trees and News. Um, $10 a month, you get to do the online hangouts that we do every month. And I've been trying to do them at different times, different days, so people can participate. Um, let me know if there's ever a day that works best for you, and I'll try to accommodate if there's enough people, obviously. Yeah, and guys, thank you so much for your support and for listening and all of your lovely feedback. I love hearing from you. If you have any pop culture recommendations, you can send them, tweet them. Obviously, I don't want people to feel like if you're not a $5 a month member, you can't communicate with the show. Of course you can. There's a bunch of free ways you can do that, and I'll never ice you out. Obviously, I'll give priority to my Patreon supporters because they're troopers, and I love them. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm going to send out letters soon to my $50 a month supporters and higher. So look out for those. I cannot believe you love getting my little um, ranting uh, diatribes in letter form. But you do, apparently. So I might do that today, actually. I'm just thinking aloud at this point. Anyways, 
Thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.